It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Great Iron Blitz, right here on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Casts, Player FM, and also on the biggest platform in podcasts, iHeartRadio, as well as Block Talk Radio. Your host, Oscar Lopez here, episode 291. In the house today, we have Legends Football League athletes and legendary Seattle Miss players, and we're going to have the uh, talented and always exciting Shay Norton in the house in about a half hour here. Then we are going to talk to League MVP and Legends Cup MVP Stevie Snore at about an hour from now. We're going to get Mackenzie Brooks in the house, Nate Ward, our LFL insider. We've got Louise Bean coming up here in a couple minutes. We're going to be talking college football, NFL, and we're going to dive into the women's international scene that's happening. Great Island, Queensland, Great Island, New South Wales, uh, Costa Rica, Brazil. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff happening, uh, off-season new, news and notes in the WFA as well as the WNFC. So big pack, two hours of the Gridiron Blitz. Thanks, everybody, for making us the one of the best podcasts on iHeartRadio. And we're talking NFL Weekly as well as now we're obviously engaging with a lot of folks that were not even aware that there was women's tackle football. So technically, uh, we have made inroads 21,000 strong on all social media platforms. Uh, I want to thank everybody that listens to us, that shares our podcast, and that obviously is aware of everything that's happening in women's tackle football as well as the NFL Weekly and college football. Uh, we should get back Troy Wilson next week. So kind of exciting talking about the NFL as we come forth uh, with our co-hosts. Uh, but we are going to be uh, just wall-to-wall talking uh, gridiron Australia between now and January with during the NFL season, college football in depth. And then we're going to be bringing in some folks here to talk fantasy football as well. So kind of dive into that. So a lot of things happening on the podcast as we go forward uh, between now and January. So I want to invite everybody to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. If you don't know what's going on, you have no idea what's going on and you need to know what's going on in the women's game, you go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You can also go to the Twitter feed, uh, the number one Twitter source on Twitter, talking women's American football all the time, and that is at Gridiron Beauty on Twitter. Um, We've got Instagram, uh, both on Instagram, our biggest platform on Instagram. Use hashtag NoJokeFootball to share about the project and everything that's happening in the women's game and the talented athletes that play women's American football globally. So hashtag no joke football, because that's what they do. That's their play. And that's what they 
would do on the field in their game is no joke. So no joke football. I always want to also invite everybody to our Zazzle shop. I want to thank everybody in Europe. Uh, the last month, this past month, uh, Portugal, Spain, Germany, uh, a couple people from the UK, and a bunch of people from Finland. I really appreciate everybody coming to the shop and buying stuff from us. Uh, sport your stuff. Uh, send us some pics. Direct messages on at the hub or on Instagram so we can share the cool stuff that you're displaying for us. Uh, really appreciate that. Go to the Zazzle shop at uh, the Gridiron Beauty shop at the No Joke Football shop, and you can take 15% off. All you got to do is use the code ZazzleThanks, ZazzleThanks, and that's 15% off. You take that off, and it's going to be awesome. So uh, don't, don't miss a beat. Weekly sales, if you're in international and you're listening to us internationally, there are uh, Zazzle, No Joke Football Shop sites internationally as well. All you got to do is go to the main site, go, go below. It says Worldwide tab, and you select your country code. So, um, And then you take advantage of the savings there. So 15% off, Zazzle thanks, and should happen, and you should be very proud of that. And you can support the, the slogan that started it all, the revolution to bring awareness to the women's game, and that is the No Joke Football brand. So we really, really appreciate that. And thanks to Zazzle for being our sponsor for six years right here on this podcast, making it possible to bring that awareness. So uh, support them as they support us. So go to uh, Zazzle.com for Sasquatch Beauties. Get your stuff up to 15% off. We got uh, amazing athletes uh, showcasing the uh, gear. Uh, Brooke Leash before that. We have Lexi Demio coming up, Stacey Jackman. Um, we got Michelle Marshall, Anna Garza. Um, Sasha Cruz, and we're happy to announce the announcement. Lelani Lopez will be sporting our Nojo football gear coming up here in a couple weeks here. So a lot of talented athletes in both sides of the full kit and legend style play on board to bring awareness to the sport and sport out our Nojo football gear. So I really appreciate to all of them for doing that. I want to thank all our audience and our top fans on our Facebook page. We're almost at 7,500, close to 74, 7,500 on our Facebook page. We want to get to 10,000 by the end of the year. It is possible if you share, make people aware, and that's where it's at, at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. So let's, uh, let's gonna, we're going to dive in today to college football, and, uh, and we're going to be diving into the NFL, and we're going to have Louis Bean coming in here in a couple minutes here, and we're going to talk about a little bit of that. And then we're going to dive into Shea Norton at 630. We're going to walk into uh, talking to the MVP for 2009. That's going to be um, Stevie Schnorr. And so we're going to be jam-packed two hours, and then we're going to talk to Mackenzie Brooks. Holly Custis uh, will not be here today, but Holly Custis has a recap, and we're going to be uh, displaying her recaps this week on college football and the NFL. And then uh, we're going to finish up with the women's news and notes as well. So, that's going to be the uh, excitement for the two hours. So let's uh, bring in Luis Bean here in the house. And Luis, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Just uh, it's the middle of the week, you know, so you have to – you had Monday Night Football last night. Well, it's not the middle of the week yet, but Monday Night Football last night, and, you know, you get ready for football coming up soon. So, uh, Luis, are you, were you shocked at – how bad the Browns are playing so far this year. They're not, you know, the Tennessee exposed them the week one. They didn't play as, you know, as well against the Jets, even though the Jets were like 
completely dismantled at the quarterback position. Oh, man. Who's the number two for the Jets? Because I heard that they're on their number three quarterback. So who was number two? Well, number two, you didn't even you didn't even have to know because that person didn't even <laughs> last that long. Okay, who <laughs> so was like, it? Who was it? Uh, Simon, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, Trevor I, Simeon. I, Yes, or Simeon. There you go, Simeon. Mm -hmm. I just botched his name, so I I guess I should apologize. Mm -hmm. But Simeon, and then I guess he got, and then he was out. Uh, It it was just, it was just a horrible outing. No Crowder, no Anderson. I mean, it it was bad. And even even the Browns couldn't even take advantage of it. So you know, shout out to the Jets defense for trying to keep the game close. But offensively, they were just a mess. Yeah, I, I, they always call it the, the Sports Illustrated uh, cover curse. So I expected them to be playing better, the Browns, I mean, and I'm sure a lot of people did. But I predicted last week on the show that I just think they got a lot of egos over there. So, But I, I kind of expect them to improve as the season goes on, as they get used to playing together, and if they're injury-free, generally speaking. So um, we'll see. I think they're in a much better spot than a bunch of other teams in the NFL, like Miami and, of course, the Jets and some other not-so-good teams. But Well, all I'm going to say is they, they, get, they go against my Rams, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think they have a prayer against my Rams. So that's all I got. Yeah, your Rams On rebounded. Defense, your ra- yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if they look as good as they did against New Orleans, uh, Cleveland's going to have issues big time so that's all i'm gonna say uh but new orleans did have a slew of injuries on sunday uh with you know both rams and new orleans with uh drew Brees going out that was just unfortunate that that happened but hey bridgewater did play some decent ball against the rams so it didn't it wasn't like a a big loss but not the equivalent of drew Brees, of course yeah i i teddy's teddy but i still want Taysom hill to go in i just I'm not sure why they put so much stock in Teddy. But, anyways, that's a big loss for Drew Brees. A big loss for Ben. He's out for the year. Um, Roethlisberger. Yeah, we, so. lost, we, we lost Donald to the a chest in, or I mean, Higby's a chest injury. We lost uh, Donald to a back a spasm or something, but I'm pretty sure she, he'll be back by the end of the week. Um, was and Gurley then playing? also Austin. Yeah, Gurley was playing. He was really good. Okay. It turned out to be a good okay. outing for them. So. You know, it, it was just a, it was one bad call, one callback, and everybody's all freaking out that there's a curse now when the Rams and Saints play. Come on, people, uh-huh. just get yeah, over it. I didn't it. think it was a big deal. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, it was. You're down twenty-seven to nine. Game. One touchdown wasn't gonna make a difference. Come on, I could see if it's like, you know, within three points and you get botched and you get screwed. But come on, that's they're yeah. trying to go the Raider way. You know, I mean, when everything, all the refs are up against the Raider Nation. <laughs> yeah. The Zebras against yep, the Raiders. Definitely. But that's how the Raiders um, survive. I mean, that's just how the Raiders are. Everyone against them. No, kind of right. Realities. Um, Louise, your thoughts on Pittsburgh? Is this is this done? Are they done? Or are they, they, just, they just seem like they're they're just. I mean, uh, Roethlisberger is out. Connor is not too too healthy either. Um, just it's just unfortunate, but um, it just seems like they're not they're not. I mean, unless the backup quarterback can really do something this coming week it looks like they're regressing yeah I think they're done I think sorry I had to sneeze um I think they're done just because I just don't think they have enough offensive uh skill talent but 
I mean, you see the good teams out there. Even the Cardinals, who are 0-2, uh, well, no, 0-1-1. Um, yeah, 0-1-1. They're exciting to watch. They they have talent with Fitzgerald and oh, I can't remember their other wide receiver because um, Fitzgerald's the slot, but uh, – they just there's something about them that you want to watch. There's excitement. There's there's talent. And I just don't think don't think uh, Pittsburgh has it. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not. Uh, it's unfortunate we don't have Holly Custis here because she'd be ringing the tune for the Niners right now. Two and zero, pretty impressive good. win. They're looking good. They're looking good. Uh, Garoppolo's shining up. Uh, Brita stepped up. Uh, unfortunately, they got Joe Staley that broke his fibula. That's gonna yep. put a damper on their uh, offensive. You know. Uh, showing that they had on there. But, um, yeah, the Niners looked pretty impressive against Cincinnati, and Cincinnati really didn't look that great. No, and they should. When you have long-time experienced quarterbacks like that, I mean, there's so many teams out there that would beg to have uh experienced quarterback in Dalton. And, I don't know, the, the Cincinnati, I think Troy was laughing about Cincinnati last year because they just don't ever be – they're just kind of good enough. When okay is not okay. <laughs> So uh, they should be better than they are. But anyway. Yeah, I don't know about this uh, mononucleosis from Sam Donald. I mean, I don't know what he was kissing out there, but I guess that's yeah, a detriment weird. to the Jets Nation. So is it yeah. gangrene? Is that, we'll, we'll call it mononucleosis, but yeah. it's gangrene. <laughs> yeah, that's just so, so random. <laughs> I was I, I was reading that I'm like what is going on here what and I'm like this is gonna hamper your oh my god okay well um, yeah that's and I don't even do fantasy the, the, so imagine that all messed up people's fantasy plus all the other quarterbacks that get hurt oh no yeah 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 I was just I mean when you're when you're doing fantasy and you're so rigid to only one or two people it gets so stressful and you're like so frustrated you could just throw stuff at mm-hmm. the at the screen you know what I mean. Hopefully it's mm-hmm. plus or something, but nothing that'll break the screen. But you're you're mad for mm-hmm. sure, but especially when your team's <laughs> you know getting getting their butt whooped. Um, but yeah. no, yeah, um, the division. Are you gonna Are uh, you gonna bring up my Cowboys? Because we could talk about the Cowboys uh, if you want. We could bring. The- <laughs> no, I, I didn't want to do I didn't want to do Cowboys because the Niners were like the story of of the week. So uh, I wanted to just do them. I'm just okay. kidding. Mackenzie's gonna bring Cowboys. McKenzie's you're gonna, gonna bring on, Cowboys. Yeah. It's not like we don't have enough cowboy talk on NFL Network. Come on, Luis. Oh, I know. It's just so redundant. I would say this is an interesting stat, which any team would be happy about. So they've scored nine touchdowns, and it took them till week six to score nine touchdowns last year. So uh, Kellen Moore, who used to be the quarterback for Boise State back in the day, they keep giving him a lot of credit for things. So anyway, uh, they're 2-0, and so – no, they're they're riding high. I remember we talked about it last year when they picked up Cooper. We already said, mm-hmm. hey, they lost Beasley, but they picked up Cooper, and they have more than mm-hmm. enough weapons. Even if, and we had talked to, before about how even if uh, Elliot wasn't back for a couple of weeks, they wouldn't have really be missing a beat because they had so many uh, you know receiver weapons, and Prescott's pretty decent on terms of you know spreading the ball around. So yeah, yeah, that wasn't going to hinder them. Yeah. I think their offensive play calling and their offensive coordinators really – I mean, I was watching some of that game, and they just went up and down the field. I mean, just – Yeah, well, the, the coordinator the I was reading is from Boise State. It was, yeah. I think, more more from Boise State 
what an opportunity yep. for him on the biggest stage to showcase his, his so-called genius. <laughs> you know, from yeah. Boise State to the NFL, that's pretty impressive. He's a good quarterback. He played a little bit in the NFL, and uh, yeah. he was a great quarterback at Boise State. I mean, they beat my team, so. So um, the Bills for real, or no? Mm. With Allen and company. Remember, we've discussed we've discussed Buffalo. You can't. Buffalo is a cold place, and you just can't put stock in Buffalo. They just break your heart. No, one, I wouldn't want to live in Buffalo. <laughs> I've been there. Louise, uh, Louise, did it happen to you where they uh, they yank you from the Falcons and they put in the new the new starter, the upcoming phenom? That's what happens in New York, right? Manning gets out yes. again, oh and then we get, we get Jones in. What's up with that? That I read that they that. People are obviously have mixed emotions on that, but aren't they zero and two? No, one and one, zero and two. No, they're zero and two for remember. sure, Louise. They yeah. wouldn't be making a move think, if, they were, if they were two yeah, and zero. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think they. I read somewhere that somebody thought they were a liability on some article, so or that he was a liability. Um, but Manning, but you know, it's. I think there's some fan pressure and. And, uh, yeah, that's got to hurt Manning for sure. Yeah. Um, Seattle taking care of business. Uh, Pittsburgh 0-2. Russell finished with 300 yards, three touchdowns, and a pretty good run game for, like, 151. And so he's doing what he normally does, right, just completely mm-hmm. challenge the defense and tear them up. Uh, the Seahawks were, were facing pretty much a Pittsburgh team that, Proved that they were just not really good against the Patriots, or basically mm-hmm. a fluke or something. Um, but I don't know uh, who steps up here. I think it's Ma- uh, Mason Rudolph who's going to step in for Roethlisberger. Uh, just a mess there. Seattle's uh, run defense did hold the Steelers to 100 yards. So, I mean, Seattle's for real in the West. The Rams are are looking good after two weeks. The Niners, surprisingly enough, mm-hmm. looking good, and that's what. We were all talking all season, right? What's going to happen with Garoppolo and whether he's going to just, mm-hmm. you know, rebound or what. But, I mean, he looked good. He was spreading the ball to Kittle. He was spreading the ball to Goodwin. So, the NFC West looks pretty tight right now minus the uh, Cardinals. Yeah, definitely. That's going to be a tough division. I still think the the NFC, oh, with, the, with Cowboys and Eagles and Washington, I still think that's going to be a tough division. Um I'm not sure about uh, Patriots division. They they seem to always kind of have a weaker division. Um, but then the Houston Texans, they won close. I think they'll be fun to watch. Their division will be uh, interesting. So um, the only team I see right now that really, truly is awful, just truly awful, is and they talk about tanking, is Miami. So other than that, it doesn't seem like there's just horrible, horrible teams. They uh, Obviously, there's injuries that affect, but we'll find out in the next two weeks who's really bad. Um, Arizona, even though um, I was watching the game against Jackson, but uh, Arizona didn't look uh, – I mean, they didn't look very awful until they got to the red zone. Then yeah. they, they kind of just yeah. – they shut themselves in the foot. You know what I mean? Failed on third and third and one, put on the fourth. Failed on third and goal from the third failed on third and goal from the six. I mean, so once they got to the red zone, it was like they got so anemic that they couldn't punch it in. 
And they have, you know, they have weapons. They had Kirk, they had Fitzgerald. Uh, Murray was spreading the ball around. Yep. Uh, I mean, they were staying competitive, and they stayed competitive. So it's not like I, – I don't, I don't want to count the Cardinals as, like, horrible, like, you know, the Dolphins or no. at this point Pittsburgh. No. I mean, they're, they're good. They're a good team. It's just they're just they're going to be in a tough division where everybody else is one just one step ahead of them. Yeah, I definitely think they'll be fun to watch and will be competitive. And people care about watching them. I think with yeah. Miami, I'm not sure people care about watching them. So I know, and I know. And they'll get better as and the I year know. goes on. I know that. I, I feel bad for Odessa Jenkins, but that's the, way, that's the breaks. Oh, is OJ a Miami fan? OJ's a Miami fan. Oh, that is unfortunate. That is unfortunate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is oh, unfortunate. Um, uh, as to Holly's point, and not her favorite guy, Fitzpatrick. I, maybe Fitzpatrick should be at this point um, maybe thinking of leaving Miami just by himself instead of being ousted out of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh. I was like, he threw for less than 100 yards and four yeah. combined picks. Yeah. What? He had three, what? right? Yeah, he had he three. Had three of them. Wow. I mean, only one, of, only one of 18 receivers caught a pass more than 60 yards. And the, the the their playmaker was their punter Matt Hack, who put That's up what? more offense. That is that is horrible. Yeah, <laughs> if you're in the stands, that's like oh my god! You're like so they go our our punter is our MVP of the game. That's pretty. Bad. Yeah, that's bad. That's just bad. So I don't know. It's, uh, it's it, it was just yeah, it was pretty bad. Miami's 0 two, but. Uh, I'll give them an, a week or two before that happens, but we'll we'll see if they rebound. But everybody's trying to exit Miami at this point. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. just a bad story. Well, there's a lot of close games, low-scoring close games this past week. A few higher scoring, but several under 20. You know, several games just under 20 as a total as the – as the two scores, like, a, you know, 13 to 12 or 10 to 13, so – It'll be interesting to watch. That's why you play football. I mean, that's just why you play sports. It's just how it pans out. Now, and, and the interesting thing is because you have so many teams that are really evolving. Tennessee surprised me here. Um, the the situation with Antonio Brown, we already knew based on <laughs> Belichick's attitude, we already knew he's not going to be spotlighted in, in uh, New England as he was everywhere else. Because Belichick basically said he's no different. He's another playmaker that we got, and that's it. Yeah. He got four catches yeah. for 56 yards and a touchdown, and that was it. That's yeah. all you heard from him. There was no fanfare for Antonio Brown. That's our guy. This is our guy. No. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much equal attitude for everybody. So it's kind of I love yeah, that. kind of different. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, that's great then. Uh, no big deal then. <laughs> so yeah, that works out pretty good. Yeah, as usual. And I think you have yeah, to do that exactly. to temper egos like that because yeah. he came to a team that's already won a Super Bowl. So those guys aren't, like, going to look at him as saying, you know, you're our savior, you're our you're our guy. They're thinking, dude, we have rings. we got a whole lot of them. And uh, you better prove yourself. And so I, I just like that attitude. I just like that mentality. No, I, I think it's a cool thing to do because he comes into this new team and uh, basically, he's just you know he's being told, hey, you're not you're not you're not the number one guy here, no matter how good uh-huh. you are. 
you're not the number one guy. And this is our, you know, this is the way it works and stuff. So yeah, that works out pretty good. Um, let's go into the huddle. Yeah. Let's go into the huddle. Okay. No. Yeah. I mean, he played, he played a couple uh, I mean, he did play majority of the game, but it wasn't like he was the focus of the whole offense. They spread okay. the ball out, you know, Edelman, they spread the ball out to Gordon and everybody else. So it was really yeah. that. Um, so let's go into the huddle here, and we're going to talk to uh, one of the staples of the Seattle Miss, the champion, three-time Seattle Miss in the Nojo Football Huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. Go to Zazzle, get 15% off, and you use Zazzle Thanks, and you go right there and get the discount. And I get the most popular shirt you can get is the Nojo Football shirt, silver and black shirt. Uh, it sells a lot. Thank you to everybody in Europe, Portugal, Brazil, I mean, uh, Portugal, Portugal, Spain, uh, and over in Czechoslovakia as well as uh, in Finland. So thank you, everybody, for shopping our shop and uh, contributing to the project to bring in the awareness of the sport. Uh, so let's go into the huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com, and let's bring in the always exciting Shay Norton of the three-time champion Seattle Miss. Shay, what's going on? Hi, how are you guys? Shay, it's been a long Good. time. I think I've, I haven't talked to you since uh, – I think I sent you the the original shirts like back in 2015 you, or something. <laughs> you sure did. Oh, it was before that. It must have been like 2012, I swear. I've uh, kind of been around the block a few times here in the LFL. So. Now, Shay, uh, what, a, what a ride this year. You decided to come back. You had injury. And then prior to that, obviously, you've always had some good missed teams with quality. But um, I have to agree with uh, – with uh, Matheny here, this is probably the best team in Legends football. I right? just uh, hands down. Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. I played with a number of these girls for many years now, as well as uh, played against some of them, and we've never had a more educated uh, group of women come together uh, when it comes down to knowledge of the sport and then just sports and body mechanics in general. I think if you have women who are really body aware, they understand a proper form when working out, how to work out for a specific sport, um, it kind of just comes together. And then, of course, the trusting of Chris Michelson. Um, you had everybody on board to really just trust what his um, you know, plan was for the year, and it was very, very successful. <laughs> Shay, we always talk about it on the podcast. Uh, the fact that you only play four games, every game is like literally a playoff game. And you can equate it to maybe a Legends Cup game because they all have to be won and it's competitive. It's not like an eight-week season where you have eight weeks, you can lose, you know, one or two games. Here it's like one and out, two and out, and it becomes a detriment to the, to the season. So, uh, I mean, this year, you know, Randall always on point. And then when uh, Allie went down, Everybody was kind of like taking, you know, oh, whoa, you know, kind of, oh, shocked and stuff. But then you look around, you got Malloy, you got, you know, Bryant, you got, I mean, you can, I mean, it's like, you can, you can just like, it's an old fantasy squad. (laughs) This is a team that I know that for myself, I've played since 2008. 
I started on both sides of the ball and being somebody who um, has been in the league for a while, I have injuries. And then, you know, of course, when you have someone like Jade Randall come in and Daniel Hawkins, where they've got the size on me, the health on me, and they're just phenomenal athletes. Um, you've got girls like me where I could probably go to like an Omaha and a Denver and, and I could start on both sides of the ball. Kira Bryant, she can uh, go start anywhere she wants to. And we're all fighting for this position. You have a lot of girls who barely saw the field this year who could 100% start on both teams in the league. Uh, so, yeah, when it comes to stacks, you hear big names. But a lot of our girls could be big names if they may be on a different team. But we want to win, so we're going to be on this team. Shay, um, is this your send-off? Is this it? Is this you officially, yay, I'm not coming back? <laughs> Yeah, I actually was uh, working with some doctors right uh, before the playoff game who were advising me that if I were to come back next year, they probably weren't going to approve me, um, my medically approve me anyways. I have some, yeah, I've got, I blew out a quadricep. I, you know, I didn't talk about it, but I fully blew out my quadricep in the Austin game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it detached, and so that's uh, something that's a major surgery or uh, kind of a career-ending injury. Um, and then just the concussions and, and the physical contact at 33 years old now, um, after being a lineman for six seasons and 10 years, I think that my body is, is physically unable to play football at this level anymore. Uh, Shay, how you been keeping up with that? Is that because of your training experience and everything else to try to like rehab and just your knowledge oh, of yeah. trying to rebound and things? My, my year, my year, yes. It actually just um, having injuries has really stepped my game up as a trainer um, because I've had to be really smart with the way that I do my workouts and. Um, we have such a great team here in Seattle that I'm going to the doctor three to four days a week just to work on physical therapy outside of my workouts. And that's why a lot of our girls did bounce back. Um, we had a girl go out, Ashley Baker, who's a big uh, miss star from last season and had to take a back seat to Allie Alberts this year. And uh, she blew out her knee in uh, minicamp. So she's had a, a, you know, a full-blown uh, ACL repair and came back for, for the championship game. Um, Allie, had got some work done on her knee, and she came back even quicker. And uh, Stevie had had a scope on her knee. Um, I obviously dislocated my elbow and blew my arm out in the very first game, so I missed half the season this year with a with a dislocated elbow. Um, but, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, the girls keep getting younger and healthier <laughs> and faster and, and more dynamic. So I'm excited to watch the future generations kind of develop this sport even more. Do you think the uh, nucleus is just because uh, uh, Michelson is the nucleus? Do you think that's the key to the making sure that this team stays so competitive every year in, year out, and people wanting to come to Seattle to play for this franchise? I think that it's crazy how any population, once um, a few leaders latch onto another leader, can fully change the mindset of an entire team. Uh, you could see that in some of the teams that had coaching and quarterback issues where the quarterback is the leader, and if she's not respecting or adhering to what the coaches have the the plan for the day, then all of a sudden the rest of the team isn't either, and it has to start from the top. Now, my coach has a military background, and we've always trained that way, and so our girls are 100% 
kicking each other's asses and picking each other up if we're having bad attitudes or not working towards um, the same goal. So, yes, it is Chris Michelson, but at the same time, it's our leaders on the team. You know, if if there's girls that they that other girls come in, they know they respect someone who's been on the team like me or KK or Stevie or or some or, or even you know Jade. I know she's played for other teams, but coming in and even Allie, Allie's a great example because. She had never played with my coach before, and she came in, and people respect her from around the league, and it was night and day. It was like, whoa, Allie knows what she's doing. She's super smart, and uh, she 100% is, is taking everything that Chris saying, is saying and rolling with it. So Coach Chris creates it. We follow it, and then that just trickles down. Uh, we're a very, very structured and disciplined team. All right, let me bring in Louise Bean to pick your brain here because she comes from a very structured military coach in the 11-11 tackle, too. So, Louise, uh, Shay Norton here. Hey, Shay, how you doing? I'm doing great, Louise. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, so congratulations. Um, you, the, Thank you very much. The, this is not Seattle's first championship. Is that true? Seems like I remember they won another one. Is that not true? We this is our third. This is my yeah. second. I took a year off and watched my team win okay. without me one year, but this will be our third championship. Yes. Okay. So what made you said you guys were stacked and that people could go anywhere? <laughs> um, so what made people? Is it just word of mouth, or you, do you talk to each other? Do you recruit each other? What made you all want to be there? Um, and I, I mean, um, I don't know if most of you live there, so traveling to or commuting to other places isn't easy. So, what's the backstory? I would say that when it came down to it, um, some of the girls had traveled overseas to play in Australia together, and they came back with a. They became very close and all from different teams, and came back and decided, hey, let's all go play for Chris. We know that you know, mm-hmm. uh, me and Danica played for him, but. This is Danica recruiting KK and Stevie to come down and like, hey, let's. What? Who else do you got? Because there were no more Florida teams, and so you have these girls who had teams to play on, and they, you know, Jade Randall would love to play for Dallas if there was a Dallas team still. Mm-hmm. KK would have never uprooted her her life and her entire existence to come to Seattle if there were still Florida teams for her to play in. Mm-hmm. So it's um it's unfortunate that unfortunate that sometimes the league is taken away from these stellar athletes. And they have to commute, um, okay. you know, and, and that's the case with any of the states that don't have uh, a team for them. I think girls just want to play. Uh, when you come down to it, though, and you start to get girls calling, you know, hey, we need this person, that person, you build the excitement. You have coaches asking for you and, 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 and asking mm-hmm. you to come in. I think the same thing happened with Coach Oliveira in Austin, and he recruited many back from Seattle to come down right. here. Remember you know, that. And to him, and, and, and that happened because he, she knew that KK was coming back, and politics is kind of running the league these days. Okay, so give me an idea of what it's like if you're a commuter, and are are girls single? Are they married? I mean, commuting's not easy. I've done some of that uh, the last couple of years for 11 on 11. Um, but, yeah, so give me an example of what commuting life is like in the LFL. Well, now we've got – what we've had to do is when it, when they change the rules and to say, okay, you can bring on some out-of-state players or they limit it to, they limit it to four, um, okay. we've changed we change our entire practice schedule because of that. 
when that became a thing, when we started to get this outside recruitment coming in, mm-hmm. we didn't practice on the weekdays anymore. We didn't practice, um, you know, multiple days a week. So to, to some of our detriment, it was a really hard on our bodies. We would have girls come in for Friday night practice, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, and possibly a Sunday afternoon as well um, okay. to get it in. And, yes, we had a girl, you know, with with two children, one, one older and one younger. Danielle Hawkins has a young child. Um, okay. You know, Allie's, Allie's husband would come with her most of the time because he's just is such a big support. So Allie Alberts' husband would come. Jade Randall just got married, and so her husband would come for games. But, um, you know, they did, that, there's that separation. Dominique Malloy has family who lives here in Seattle, so she would stay with me. And what commuting looked like is that that's the team. She became one of my sisters, one of my best friends, because okay. I opened my doors and my life to her. And anything she needed, any food, I would cook for us, and she would stay with me every weekend of the of the season. And are the teams paying for their travel to do so? I think there's a, no one um, pays for my travel. So. No, no, and the, I think that what the case is for this is the girls are paying for their travel, and we okay. try to generate as many types of donation or um, things like that. I think what Coach Chris honestly probably gives his entire paycheck up for the girls to travel. I think uh, that that's okay. a big bulk of it. I don't think that Chris Michelson has a paycheck that comes from okay. the LFL. Okay, so then my next question is, is you were talking about, oh, you're going to retire because it's hard on your body and things like that. So why LFL over tackle? That's my first question. Yeah. And um, my next question is, is I'm curious, because uh, you said, hey, all, all of our players are, you know, really good at when they work out and they train and da-da-da, those kind of things. And I'm really into that. And I feel like in the tackle world, it's varied very varied because you have all different sizes even more extreme in the sizes of the women whereas in the LFL it seems like there's a little more consistency in the in the sizes and so I feel like in the tackle world there's some people that are really serious they're really great at being in shape they're really um uh that are very uh, strict and regimented and then there's other ones that it's like not even you know something they pay much attention to and <laughs> and yeah. I'm always amazed at the amount of people that smoke and and that drink more so than just social drinking something those things are hard on your body they just are whether yeah, yeah. so tell me uh, that's my opinion of tackle even though there's amazing athletes and great teams and and I've been lucky enough to play on a great team uh, but I have to be very strict. And so, because when you're an older player, you have to be very strict. But I've been strict that way my whole life because I played sports my whole life. And but I'm just so I'm curious what your guys' type of regiment is. Maybe you personally, uh, on a weekly basis. You know, are you working out an hour each day? Or are you working two hours one day and off? You know, that kind of thing. So everyone's a little bit different. So, so. I'll I'll start with your first question: is why okay. why LFL? And I think that okay. um, I had never even considered uh, football <laughs> being a sport okay. I would play. And I, I saw it on MySpace in 2009, and I, I was kind of like, all right. And it, you know, it, and it had all the glitz and glam of it's going to be on MTV, and you're going to be sure. a, this star, and this it's this big thing, and um, it's so new, and that's what drew, drew me. I was like, okay, well, I could probably, you know, play this football better than these powder puffers. And you know, uh-huh. back then it really was. <laughs> It was our motto was models playing football in lingerie was the Mm -hmm. original motto of our our league. 
And then mm-hmm. the, the next year it was like, that wasn't the case. Um, and I was doing some modeling and I was kind of doing that on the side of being a personal trainer. And so that's where it was like, Oh, this is everything. You know, I can, you know, be this, you know, dress up and be this pretty girl and then play this sport. And then I got my ass handed to me, <laughs> got, got punched in the mouth a few times, learned what totally. playing football was really like. And, uh, and then that's when I had to figure out how to start training myself because I was getting injured and then also feeding off of the other women because there was that body stereotype. You know, it was at first very much mm-hmm. like you have to fit into this one size fits all kind of category mm-hmm. of athletic women. And then as the league developed, they started really pulling away from that. And then that's when the whole, you know, fitness Instagram craze kind of became a thing and I think girls ended up just wanting to be more competitive and and started to work out more in that case Mm -hmm. I would say that as a team with us we have a strict no alcohol you know and intoxicating substance policy 30 Mm -hmm. days before a game and and we're more about and we're about that life and that's and that's the accountability thing. It goes back to what are your sisters doing? Check your girl because if there's only 20 of us and probably 25% of us are going to come down with an injury by high, by by the end of the season, that's just real talk about it is what it is. Um, and we probably had 50% of our team come down with an injury um, when it came down to it uh, over the course. And so. You, we can't have that. There's no bodies to lose. We have no bodies to lose. We have, we right. have four games, and it's, it's a commitment, and, that, and that's a Chris thing. So, um, you know, for me, I'm a personal trainer, so I work out as much as my body has, uh, needs. Uh, during the season, I do not try to do a lot of weightlifting. It's mostly agility every day. It's mostly that mm-hmm. um, kind of, get you know, getting that hit cardio in, um, a lot of, you know, sport-specific type of training, and then rehab. I was, you know, I was rehabbing injuries all year. So every girl is on her own. You know, you've got some girls who will get a trainer, a specific football trainer. We're blessed up here in Seattle. We've got some great facilities and some great people. But um, as for, like, the food and the, and the eating and the nutrition and the, us wanting to perform at the highest level, it was ingrained in us from the leadership all the way down. And everyone just wants to be like their hero. You know, if you, if your hero is KK Matheny and KK's not going out to the club or getting fucked up on, sorry, I shouldn't swear, but <laughs> getting messed up um, on the weekends, you know, then you're not going to want it either. And, and, and yeah, you want to play at your best, best level. Yeah. So you guys didn't have, uh, you're, everyone's just doing their own thing because your practices were kind of on the, Oh, on the weekends, and 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 people were just committed to working. I like the the alcohol thing because uh, you yeah. have such a short season. You said so. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, just uh, those those things do affect your body. Like you, I know as a trainer, whether it's it's they just do. It's like I don't even drink pop because the carbonation and the sugar affects your muscle output. And so exactly. Uh, so you know, just all those things affect it affect your body even more sensitive it's like i remember kobe bryant saying man when i was 20 i could go eat a whole pizza before a game and go play and he's like now this is when he was <laughs> end of his career he's like now i gotta have salmon and chicken before i go play <laughs> he's like you can't just it. do that to your body anymore <laughs> and we know that we have these big uh these big weekends now in this uh fr- you know in this organization, that's what you're coming into. It's already set. He had a schedule set for three months in a binder when you signed your contract in April. Like, here, this is the next four months of your life. If you have any weddings, 
funeral of whatever you have, you know, funerals mm-hmm. obviously don't, but, but anything you, you have to let me know now what you can and cannot commit to, because if you do not show up to one of these, you're not going to play in the game. And everyone yeah. was always on a, yeah, the same playing field, you know, you, Coach has always said there's no one's spot is safe. No one has a starting position ever. And uh, that would have been the case if KK would have been caught drinking and lied about it, that he would have benched yeah. and put our backup in. And, yeah. and that's, that's, that's an example for everybody. So, yeah, I guess instill fear in people. <laughs> the, fear, sure. the fear did work. <laughs> yeah, really whatever. Good. Well, and you're, like you said, it's a small roster. So um, yeah. I just think I love it, the accountability and, we, and just those kind of things. Yeah, and we want to win, and these girls want to play, mm-hmm. and they know that there's a small chance that they're even going to play when you have these other girls who you know coaches already had as starters before. And the way that they are, it's like, man, how am I going to beat this Harvard graduate who doesn't drink and, you know, eats a perfect diet and she catches everything? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like, well, I have to do that too. And if I'm not good at, as good of an athlete as her, I better step up my nutrition. I better step up my sleep. I better step up my knowledge and, and, mm-hmm. and make sure that you're you're staying on top. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I love the competitive league. I love the competition within our team, but being a team at the same time. That's why, you know, being an ultimate team sport, I've never felt such a family and such dedication to something because I would never want to let them down. Like, I wouldn't want to let down mm-hmm. a family member. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. The accountability is just awesome because there's women out there in tackle, because that's what I know more, who are – demanding such and such and demanding this and demanding to be paid or, or the demands that they feel like that are owed to them. And and I'm not in that boat where I want, because I want to say, okay, where's your accountability? How good is your team? How good are you? How much do you work out? Um, how good is your commitment to the game? Just like those things that you said. Um, yeah. Now, if you are one of those people, like you've outlined, then then you would know that. And then you would have something to say. But also, like you said, you're competing against someone else that's also really good and what's their commitment and drive to the game. So those are awesome thoughts. I'll turn it back over to Oscar. Yeah, Shay, nice talking uh, to you. Shay, what a ride for the franchise. Uh, what a ride for the fans. Um, a lot of people have come and go, right? Um, Hopkins yeah. come and go. And so there's a lot of – a lot of legacy in a way for the Miss because it's one of the staple franchises in the league. So it's got to make you mm-hmm. proud, right? That you guys have sit there for a long time. You haven't relocated, haven't shifted out. It's been pretty much the uh, flagship of the Legends Football League. I see. Uh, it, it, it really was um, a, a built from the ground up. We went, I think, like, what? three and one in our first season and but you know i think we lost right away uh, but then we went oh and three we went out and we were up like trying to build and build and build and so after so long you know i've been there i'm the only girl on this team from 2010 on but you've had like a ton of girls who have just played in the league and and have brought that to um seattle when we've lost our girls to fill in those spaces and those voids i think that Jessica hopkins was such an amazing leader on our team. It was hard to think that anybody could fill her shoes, but you know, Stevie Schnorr came in and really, really uh, dedicated herself to our, our franchise. And of course, KK is one of the smarter and uh, more football-minded quarterbacks you could ever imagine. Um, and that just makes everybody want to be a better football player, being around those types of knowledgeable people. 
and dedicated people. So uh, being a part of the Seattle Miss, I mean, it's 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 been an honor because I I know that we play with integrity and in class and discipline and and work our butts off uh, to make it all happen. So we appreciate everything uh, that all the fans and the accolades that the LFL uh, give us as a, an organization. Shay, being the the face of the the league for a little bit, right before Danica, uh, was that uh, was that great? Is that great times? You know, photo shoots, well, with, yeah, uh, yeah, stuff like that. Like, I mean, that was fun. kind of like at the heyday. Yeah, there was um, a great pinnacle in my career. I think about 2013 when we beat uh, Danica when she was playing for the Las Vegas, uh, Las Vegas Sin. And, uh, you know, that, that, that rise of that team uh, with the likes of, like, Christine Moore and LaShonda Fowler, other girls who were, like, on the rise. And then for us to lose in playoffs, we all were like, okay, this all the modeling and the, and the MTV and, and the photo shoots, and that's, that's great and all. And I love to play the sport of football. But, you know, I think I got four concussions that year. I know that Christine had to have shoulder surgery after that year. And so then it came down to affecting your physical life. Um, So as much as glamour and fame or, like, you know, any kind of accolade feels, playing your sport in a healthy body feels way better. And, um, yeah, it was great to take a few years off, come back, and just know my role. I knew going into this, I was going to try to play as much as I possibly could and be the best support system for our rookies and for any starter that ever was before me, if they were. Uh, Shay, uh, 15 to 14, 14 to 15. Was that just coincidence <laughs> for the uniform number or what? Well, no, KK Matheny did take that number over when she came in in 2015. I had taken the year off and she, uh, <laughs> She was number 15 in Florida, and she had played for the league for four year, three years already, four years as a number 15 in Florida. And since yeah. I wasn't on the team that year when she came, she got 15. But ultimately, 14 was the number I wanted originally in 2010, and I didn't get it. So <laughs> it was perfect that I uh, ended up ending my career in the number that I played in high school. I played high school volleyball as a 14. And, uh, yeah, so <laughs> – Girls uh, so, have to switch numbers sometimes. <laughs> no, right. Um, the transition, you've seen it to the sport. You've seen, obviously, the criticism of the sport from the beginnings to now. Uh, you know, Mitchell tried to go to leggings. There was, like, an uprise with certain fan base, uh, things like that. But the evolution of the league branding has evolved to a point where it's, like, it, it has changed over time now, Right. I I think that the way that people will look at us, it's still always going to come back to, oh, that's that lingerie league. I just heard it the other day, and it was so funny because it was somebody who kind of always gives me, like, a good job and, like, wow, congratulations. But then they they thought, oh, but you don't play in that lingerie league, right? I'm like, well, if you knew anything about what I do, <laughs> um, you know, exactly. obviously you're not, you're not up to par about this. Um that lingerie league became a, uh, a the legends league. And I think that people still have that stigma. They don't tie the leagues together. They're like, wait, when they used to wear garters and like, well, no, we still play in a short, in a sports bra. Um, I think that the uniform is going to take a big turn, hopefully for the better in quality. Um, 
you know, the leggings were great, but I think that there's something you can do with like a nice hot pant or something that would look great. You know, more like a football pant, you know, and, and guys will right. wear their waist showing sometimes playing regular football. Um, sure. I, I think that, of course, it's sex sells and they want to sell the these pretty hot women. They, they took away from that for a while. They weren't posting pictures that were a little bit more risque and, and they've gone back to it again. And, you know, it is what it is. You gotta, you want to expand the market somehow. Um, I think keeping up the level of play is going to be the biggest part of that. You just have to make sure you keep up your athletes and, and invest in your athletes. Now, uh, Shay, at one point uh, there was pay back in the early days. Uh, have you ever, you know, had that conversation or has anybody's ever had that conversation about at some point uh, you guys may be becoming the first league to pay players at this point? Yeah, I, uh, it was uh, talked about actually after the 2017 championship. I sat with Mitch for a bit and chatted about how he had hoped for that to happen within the next five to ten years, um, but working on making sure there's expansion and, of course, franchising of the teams eventually. Um, I think that's a mm-hmm. smart idea. Uh, but uh, we had, you know, the tier of it, I, I was paid actually my first season, and uh, then I, I was, you know, we had health insurance for a bit. And I think that's a bigger factor is providing yeah. a health insurance that's going to, because for me, that's, that's what ultimately breaks the bank. If, <laughs> if you have a season like right, right. I just had, you, you're, you're at the doctor every other day. And, um, and so I think ultimately they took away the pay because they didn't want people to do it for the wrong reasons. And that's fine. But I do probably spend a hundred dollars a weekend on gas just to get to practice and buy gear and do all that. But then my insurance is ultimately what the most expensive part is. So I think having their, you know, having an insurance plan um, in a players union would be the next step. Hopefully. Yeah, I think that's uh, maybe the step that needs to be needed at this point because it's it's one of the big things. And if if he can do it at this big stage, then it's going to be very uh, impressive to do that. I think so. I, I think, um, you know, it would be great to to be paid and marketed and, and have that uh, be something that makes these athletes really want to stick with it because you've got a turnover on, uh, of athletes because it ends up not being worth it if you're not coming out with championships every other year like we have been. Um, it's, I'm sure it's worth it. I mean, I don't think any losing season I've ever had made me made it not worth it for me. But I went three and out my first three seasons, and I couldn't wait to retire in 2000 after 2014. I'm like, I I need a break because it's hard yeah. financially and mentally and emotionally um, to go through it without no actual, you know, insurance or or, or money to, to, to back it up. Um, I just want to play football, you know, and win. Right. All right. Uh, so if everybody follows you on IG, you have amazing IG stories all the time. So you guys can <laughs> go follow her at Shay Norton and pretty, pretty awesome adventures with your uh, teammates and everybody else that you get on there. Right. So you have pretty cool yeah. adventures as well. <laughs> I try to have the most fun in life. I feel like if I can invest any, you know, being outside of football in the just fun and having a really positive mindset and spirit, um, that's ultimately the goal. Be yourself and make people laugh and, and smile while you're doing it. So uh, hopefully if you ever follow me, I'm going to keep on sharing, um, you know, just healthy food and fun times and good spirits. And, uh, yeah, a, a great future, I'm sure, as a flag football player. <laughs> 
Um, Shay, uh, what uh, or how do you want the fans to remember you? I think with passion and energy and intensity, because there's not a moment I was ever on that field that I wasn't trying to hype the freaking defense up or if I wasn't just trying to, you know, push a, a girl um, somehow, some way to make room for the bull uh, <laughs> and, and then make a big deal about it because I've always been a lineman. Um, it's hard as a defensive end um, to, to really make this huge uh impact like play-wise you know Uh, my job Mm -hmm. specifically on our defense is to give Stevie or Jade the play or or or, um, Danielle the play um so if I can even get a lick or a touch of anybody out there just trying to contain the edge um or shut down the run I am ecstatic so (laughs) I hope people just remember me for that and dancing into the end zone um I definitely have a pretty popular uh, touchdown dance uh that gets brought up a time or two (laughs) <laughs> well, I know a lot of Miss fans, uh, you're one of the favorite, uh, one of the faces for the Miss fans. So I, I'm pretty sure they're all going to be very appreciative and at some point saddened, just like all the other players that have left. But uh, you, you have a lot of memories at the Shower Center, a lot of moments, uh, hardware included, playoffs. Um, let me bring really? in Nate here, who's a big Miss fan, uh, Nate Ward, so before Hi, I, you know, we end the I interview here. Nate, are you on? I'm on. How's everybody doing? Oh, we're great. Hi, Nate. Hi, Nate. How's it going, champ? Dude, it feels great. It was so fun to see you guys in the end zone um, right after the game. And, yeah, it feels very surreal. Um, I went into this season. We all knew. It was weird. It was, We just knew it was going to be a storybook season. I didn't know I was going to, you know, blow my arm out, but – we just knew right. we were going to come home with that cup. <laughs> so oh, it was, it, it was a fantastic night. I do have to ask, was there a different feeling going into this Legends Cup, knowing you're facing a team you guys face regularly as opposed to a Eastern Conference team? It was a dynamic feeling because we've always had quite the rivalry with LA. Um, it's always going to be a cutthroat game. It usually comes down to the last few plays. So the opportunity to play L.A. in the in the final game was exhilarating. It was nerve-wracking going into it because it would have been one of my worst nightmares to let L.A. win in my home <laughs> in my home arena. I yeah I I don't know if I would have been handling it, uh, but that's how we knew. We knew it was it was almost storybook uh, that we should have, you know. I didn't know we were gonna beat him like that, but. <laughs> Oh, no. No, and I, I was expecting yeah. closer, too, just based upon how everything else had played out in the season, especially the, the two playoff games, how tight they were. Nobody knew I going in our, that it was going to be a 30-plus point difference. Yeah, our point differential is, as our organizations, I think it's like under 20 points. I mean, we have literally always come down to a player or two with them um, when, it, when, we, when we either win or lose. Uh, we're up right now. We've won. We beat them more times than they beat us. But still, right. it's always really uh, down to it. And once we start stop the run, I just once we went four and out that first series, if we went four and out. I just knew we were going to win. We shut down the run immediately, and I was like, I don't think they have anything else. <laughs> they didn't have anything else. I mean, I I noticed that 
even going into into halftime, it was like, you know, they've thrown everything they've got at you, and they still have, you know, nothing to show for it. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it um, I... It was the funnest night, and, you know, when you're playing in front of your home crowd, the fans deserve that. I think that when we lost to Austin, um, people were there to the very end. It was such an intense game, um, but it was kind of disappointing going like, wow, our, you know, we thought we were going to be number one going into playoffs. Well, number two can play number three, and it's, they're still the best. It is what it is. Right. Right. Well, and you. I mean, there's been some pretty good with the 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 crossovers that have happened the last few seasons. I mean, there's been some good games against Atlanta, and uh, like, much like Los Angeles, they they haven't really, except for the one game that they they won, haven't really figured out uh, the Seattle missed offensive defense either. And I think personally, you mentioned the the crowd atmosphere. I think when Everything is locked in so well inside the shower center. You have no idea what's going on outside except for what happened at the start of the fourth quarter. You're doing something right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you are exactly right about that. Um, Yeah, with these teams uh, playing against uh, some of the other teams, I think that it almost reverted back to, like, 2011 and 12. They were on their heels. They were waiting for something to happen. When Austin played L.A., I don't understand why they didn't adjust to the run. How is your uh, defensive coordinator not telling you to put pressure? And we are are a pressure and fast team, so our offense is fast. We go no huddle most of the game, so you got to be prepared for that when you're going to play us, that you can't just wait and to, to figure it out. You have to just be, use your instincts and come at us. But then with, when it comes down to defending our, or offending our defense, our defense is coming at you hard. So you have to beat us with your arms. You can't beat us with the run. You, if you can't, Chris is a great chess player, and he has figured out what you're going to do before you've done it. Oh, the size of the play yeah. does it all. I see in that notebook. Yeah, it's oh, about yeah, 100 was, plays. We, that was a, we go 20 a clinic. That was a clinic right after the second half. That was a pretty clinic. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Shay, I'm going to let you go for uh, because we got another interview coming up, and that's your big bull that I, I got set up. Oh. But I really appreciate you making the time. And I, I'm so uh, honored to have you on. Um, such an amazing athlete you are, and amazing woman on, on top of all that. And uh, thanks for the memories. Thanks for all the excitement um, and everything that you uh, contributed on the field as an awesome athlete. And uh, we will miss you. And so uh, as uh, LFL fans, so uh, just uh, I want to tell you that uh, a lot of people love you. So. Oh, that is amazing. Thank you so much. And it's just, it's really an honor to still be playing in front of people who I started my career with and they've become friends and a part of my life. And so I want every fan to know that there's no way that we're not actually friends. And when you see me and if I don't recognize you right away, make sure you come up to me and say something and say, hey, I met you at a game or I know you from the midst because it, Seattle is my home. It always has been. And I love every bit of 
uh, bringing the LFL to Seattle. So thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. And tell my best friend, the Bull, uh, hello, and I hopefully we'll see her soon. Um, and it was great to talk to you too, Nate and Louisa. It was so great to talk to you. Um, I hope I, uh, you guys have a great night and have a great interview with uh, Stevie. Thanks, Thank Jay. you very much. Thanks, Shay. Have a yeah, great take night. Take care. Yeah, bye-bye. Well, Nate, there you go. Uh, Shay Norton, what a, a staple for the mist. And uh, I couldn't think of anything better than to top it off with another huddle. And why not bring in the uh, league MVP and Legends Cup MVP? And that would be Stevie Snore of the uh, Seattle Miss. So, Stevie, how's it going? Good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, Stevie, up, all Stevie? excited, all excited here. Me and Nate are just uh, kind of tickled to have you on. Uh, what an amazing uh, run for you guys, but what an amazing career for you in Canada, overseas, and now here, you know, with this uh, superstar uh, all-fantasy squad. Uh, what an amazing uh, roster. Yeah, honestly, we've had a, a pretty good roster these last couple of years. Um, but this one especially, too, was, was extra special. Um, I think we just really molded well this year. Maybe it's because we ended up playing with a, a couple of the girls like Jade and Danielle um, and stuff like that for a couple of years now, so getting to know each other even more and more and just little things. Um, but we, we really did have a team of ballers this year, um, people like Key um, stepping up and having huge games for us. Um, and then, like I said, like having Danielle and Jade and, of course, KK always balls out and stuff, too. Um, we just have a really, really solid squad. Uh, Katie Whelan at center stepping up and it's her first year playing center. But really, you would have never known that. Like, it, it was it was just a special year. Stevie, um, what happened uh, after the first half? You guys are up 35. Uh, when we watched in the game, uh, Monique already knew that this it was over i mean she was like literally already i mean this is a hall of famer and she's like we're getting our butts out played we're i mean that to me was like reality check number one it's like you guys were putting up a clinic now uh honestly yeah we we came prepared though and that's the thing that people are always like oh man like you guys just really killed them right and i was like sure but you know, they had to get to that final game. They beat Austin, a team that no one expected them to beat. So they deserved to be there. They were just as good of a team. They could have beat us on any Sunday. But I think the thing that um, made us really take that step above them was the fact that we were so prepared. And we have to give that to Coach Chris. Um, we came into that game uh, as they would get set up on offense and get into different formations. Uh, we would be calling out. We'd know exactly what they would be running. We had a defense for everything. We were going to stop their run, and then we were going to stop their releases, and then we were going to stop Ashley from running, and then we didn't. Re they wouldn't really have anything else left. And that's the thing is we were just so prepared for anything that they had, and everybody was on the same page that I truly don't think that anyone could have beaten us on that day. Um, Stevie, um, always and just a talented individual you are on both sides of the ball. A lot of fans. You know, we, we interact with a lot of fans, obviously, on all the fan pages and stuff like that. Uh, everybody is just so, 
I don't know, just excited when, when you're on the field because of your durability and then your, uh, your vision, you have so much good vision uh, on, on the sweeps on the, you know, cut on the cuts and stuff like that. Is that contributing to like rugby or all the other things that you do in terms of a sporting aspect? Um, I think it's cause I'm so slow that I got to rely on something else, <laughs> um, oh, really? <laughs> but I, I'm really not very fast at all. And you can ask coach and he always bugs me about it, but I don't need to be fast when I have a amazing blockers and then B when I can read my blockers. So, um, I think it's a, it's a mix of that. Obviously having a huge sports background and playing rugby and things like that, being able to see gaps and holes as they open up in play um, is, is a big factor in that as well. So I'll for sure give that some credit. Um, but I, I really got to just thank my blockers and that's, that's my number one right there. I wouldn't be half the bull I am without them. Um, Stevie, where did that come from? The fans, our, our fans, our audience have watched you for a long time. Where did the uh, the bull officially, you know, originated from? You know what? I'm not quite sure. I think uh depends on who you ask. Uh, I know Mitch Mortaza is going to say that he came up with it. Um, I think KK might say that she came up with it. But I'm not really sure. At the beginning, to tell you the truth, I was a little hesitant. I was like, really? The bull? Is that really what I want? But then, honestly, it kind of just caught on, and I was like, okay, this is kind of cool, like throw the bullhorns up. So I just rolled with it and then, like, owned it straight after that. I was like, all right, let's do this. I'm the bull. <laughs> uh, how did your family feel when you're like, now you got now you have not just your name, but now you have, like, a, a moniker that everybody can relate to you now? Uh, they're They're awesome about it. They're so supportive uh, throughout my whole career of anything – that happened or whatever. And even my dad in like the last game, he messaged me and he was like, so where do I got to get a bull shirt? Blah, blah, blah. And like all this stuff. So honestly, like they, they were great about everything throughout the whole time. Um, what you remember most, the BC angels uh, first win, uh, the Canada, the Canada championship, or is it going to be this one that you just completed? Um, you know what, I think to tell you the truth, they all have a really special part um, in my journey, and they all mean completely different things to me. Obviously, that first win in 2012 was huge. Um, we, our team was basically brand new with a couple of vets from Seattle um, that came up to help us out, and that was huge because it was the first time, and we had never felt that before. We had never felt the competition and being in the arena and stuff like that. Um, And also because now uh, part of that team, I'm like still best friends with uh, a few of those girls, which is super special. Um, And then obviously every win is amazing. But I think this last one too was um, a little extra special because I think knowing it was my retirement year, I Mm -hmm. took the time a little bit this Mm -hmm. year to really concentrate on taking everything in um, a little bit more, really taking the moments in, um, really concentrating on trying to reach my goals. I put a lot of pressure on myself to to have a winning season, to kind of leave my legacy in a positive manner. I wanted to leave playing great and with that cup um, and that third championship. So 
I think with all of those things um, taking into account, I think this one definitely um, has a little extra special part to it. Um, Stevie, when you go through the roster, we just talked to Shay previously here. When you go through the roster, um, I don't know. It's like it's if you're like doing all fantasy, you know, type of uh, lineup. I mean, my God, though, everybody on that roster is a, such a you know an impactful player. I mean, Williams on defense, um, you know, Hawkins, uh, Randall, um, you know, Alberts. I mean, God, I was like standing across uh, as fans. We're sitting there going, man, this is like a super, super team. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And definitely then, like, like we said before, there's a lot of names on there too um, that have really stepped up this year, even like Shay and Katie and people like that. um, Maybe that not everyone knows all the time, but they really stepped up and made the plays when we needed. Uh, Key has been around for a couple of years, but I think again, with like the help of, Chris Michelson and things like that just has molded her into this amazing player. And she just balled out for this season and, and turned herself into that superstar, you know? So it's not like we went out and got all these new people and created this team. Uh, Jade and Danielle have been playing with us since the end of Dallas, right? When their home team left um, and things like that. So we've been building this over time, even though it looks like we just stepped on the field and had this all-star team we put a lot of work and a lot of time and even a few years into it, you know? So um, in the end, yeah, it is a smaller team, but it it didn't just come overnight. That's for sure. Where do you see the branding going from here? You've already brought it to this far. Where do you, you know, where do you see this going at this point? Is it going to be another level you think in terms of uh, athletes like your guys have set the bar? You know what, I, I really hope it does grow, and I hope it grows beyond me and beyond what um, we've built so far. Um, I hope to see uh, it go to the next level and even push even farther, uh, maybe get to the professional level, um, and so we can have some satisfaction in the fact that knowing that we help grow that for the future and for the next generation. I would love to see that. Um, obviously, I think that um, the people in the LFL are going to do everything they can um, for the girls and for the league and just hopefully uh, fans and promoters and marketing and things like that continues to, to buy into the sport and really see um, the, the value in the sport um, and continue to, to grow it as well. Um, Stevie, a league MVP, Legends Cup MVP, uh, you can't leave at a, at a higher point. So this was this is memorable, right? <laughs> That's a bit of an understatement. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy because I've uh, obviously a lot of people have asked me about it and stuff, and it still it still seems a little bit surreal. But that 24 hours was probably one of the best 24 hours of my entire life. Um, like I said, it. I really, really wanted to leave um, after eight seasons on the right note um, as a champion, but also um, happy and content with my personal play as well. Um, And so to have that league MVP on the Friday and then go out on the Saturday and prove um, that I deserved that award. um, And then again, game uh, gain the game MVP is I honestly, I can't even put it into words. It's 
like I said, it, it's just a real, um, and it means a little bit more even too, because throughout the season, um, not a lot of people know um, because we did a really good job hiding it. But um, in the Austin game before the half, I actually tore my meniscus and finished out the yeah. game. And then I got yeah. knee surgery okay. two weeks later and then four weeks later recovered enough to play in the semifinal and the final. So um, it was a very nerve wracking time for me. Um, again, a lot of stress and wondering if I was going to be able to be back in time. And if I was back, was I going to be able to play the way I should be able to play? Um, and just so many questions, but all I knew is that I didn't want to go out on an injury and I, I wasn't, I wasn't done. I wasn't going to go out like that. So um, to have it all end in like the fairy tale type ending is just everything I could want more. Uh, Stevie, um, what do you credit the the arena style play? Do you guys credit the flag just because you guys play flag all the time and it just kind of equates and it becomes a natural setting for you guys? Or do you feel like that that's why you guys are so, you know, in tune with each other as well? Um, you know what? I, I don't think so. Yeah, we played flag together and stuff like that, but I truly just think it's from, um, the, the coaching. And I know I've said that a couple of times, but, uh, he really breaks down the game and he wants you to understand it and he wants you to become a better player. And his goal isn't to just win the games. It's to create better football players and athletes and, when you understand the game better and why you do things um, and spacing on the field and plays and why they work and why they don't and, and all, all of that, then you start to play better and you start to play better with each other because you understanding yourself is one thing, but having six people around you understanding the same things um, or understanding the game at the next level is what creates that play. And so I honestly truly have to give it to coach for, for giving us that knowledge um, to be able to play in that way. All right. Let me bring in Nate here, big miss fan to give you some uh, pick your brain. Perfect. Nate, you're on. I'm still here. Hey, Stevie. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm awesome. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say you mentioned you wanted to go on a high note. Your entire career has been one big high note. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I remember the um, the first game that Vicky and I actually went to was the 2012 Pacific Cup when the Angels came to town. And... um I had hoped from that point forward that at some point we'd see in Seattle again. And when I heard you were joining as one of the angels to come down when the Canada season was suspended, I was super stoked. And it's been a blast seeing you blitz that field. And yeah, you, you do have a little speed for you. I think you're selling yourself short on that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, one big question I, I do have, because you, you saw both sides of it. You saw LFL Canada. You saw LFL US. Besides the obvious of um, Chris Michelson being, you know, above and beyond the typical coach, were there any significant differences between the two different franchises? 
Um, there's always going to be differences because it's the the culture that's created within the franchises, and that's not to say the culture um, for the Angels was any better or worse, but like I said, just different. Um, we had great coaches in both of the franchises um, that wanted to win, that created that competitive opportunity for all the players. Um, but the, the coaches on the angel side, they were new too, right? So it was a learning, learning year and had learning curves for them as well. Um, so we are kind of all in this new game together type thing. Whereas um, on the miss side, he, he knows what's up. He's, he's got it down. Um, he's very regimented about it all. Um, and so I guess there's just that difference, but in regards to the culture, on both sides, you had athletes that just wanted to compete, that were there, ready to work hard, and that really committed to the systems. And that was the thing that I think I loved about both sides. Awesome. And um, you mentioned your 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 blockers earlier uh, in in getting those gaps open. Any one of them particular you really keyed in on, or was it you were just kind of running to whatever side you could? Um, honestly, I didn't, I never keyed in on any one of them. I think all of my blockers made huge blocks for me at some point, even receivers made open field blocks, uh, down the field for me. Uh, Jade Randall would make two in a row for me and I'd, she'd catch up to me and make another one. Like on the goal line, I'd have, I'd land on top of Katie Whalen and like, you know, driving over the goal line. So I, I can't say that there's one over the other. They honestly all did such a good job, and they were all just so willing to put their bodies on the line for the team. And, again, that's, that's just another part of the culture is that every single person on the team was just willing to give their all no matter if they got the glory or if they didn't. Um, and, again, I think that, that really contributed to our win as well. Any um, – I mean, obviously, that's a – I saw quite a few of them. Any big, your biggest highlight from this last, uh, this last for you? This last game, sorry? Yeah, the game or the season, either one. Um, the season, like I said, um, I just really tried to take in all the moments, whether it was the times in the hotel rooms with the girls or the spray tan parties we had or uh, things like that. So all those memories I'm definitely going to keep um, forever and hopefully create more with those girls, but just in different ways. Um, but definitely in the last game, I think uh, one of the things that I, I'll remember is kind of the interceptions too, uh, just because, again, Coach Michelson was making jokes to me about uh, not being able to cover um, in on defense um, before the game. And so then I got the two interceptions, kind of went up to him and was like, oh, who can't cover now? But obviously he was, he was just joking <laughs> and stuff. But I think that that was kind of a part that we thought was super funny. Uh, but another thing that I'll really remember too is that at the very end of the game, uh, he had taken the starters off um, on defense. And I'm standing on the bench and I'm looking down the line and I see me and I said, see Jade. And I see Allie and I see Danielle and I'm like, I bet this is the only time in history that all the defensive starters are on the bench in the Legends Cup final. And I was like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> that is awesome. Hey, Oscar, I'm going 
hand it back to you, Stevie. It's been a pleasure. Um, I do have to get going, so um, I will catch you all next time. Sounds all right, good. Nate, Thank thanks so for coming in and chiming in. Uh, Stevie, it's uh, been a whirlwind, uh, a lot of highlights, and uh, Legends Football League fans are just very uh, grateful to you for everything that you showed on that field, uh, the excellence that you showed on that field, and the durability. And as you pointed out right now with, you know, so, some real uh, injury coming into this, you know, finale at this point. Um, but, uh, you know, we appreciate everything you've done on that field uh, and contributed from uh, your years playing. And what a, what a deserving honor, MVP for the league and MVP for the cup, the Legends Cup. So uh, it was just, you know, very deserving. Well, thank you for very much. Um, honestly, it's just – it's been an honor for me to be able to represent Seattle and the city. Honestly, I love Seattle so much. It is the second home for me, um, 100%. I feel like home there. The fans have always been loving, even when we were in Nashville that one year and we came back to play in Seattle. Um, I remember after the game going around uh, the arena and connecting with some of the fans and stuff, and you know what? They've just been nothing but – um, number one, number one fan since the beginning, and that I'll always cherish. But um, it's definitely been my honor to represent that city and that organization um, for seven seasons. So thank you, uh, Stevie. Before I let you go, how would you like to be remembered? Just ask Shay that. How do you want people to remember you as 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 the athlete that you on that stage? You know what? I just I honestly want people to just remember. Um, just my commitment and effort to the game, my passion for the game. Um, I I don't care about the stats, about how many touchdowns I scored or this and that. And, yeah, the championships are nice, but um, I'd rather people remember me as as a true committed athlete um, that was just wanted to take the sport to the next level. Um, and, and then that I'll be happy with. All right, Stevie, I, I really appreciate you making the time. I know you're busy and everything, and uh, I really also appreciate you uh, helping us out with our promotion, with our project over the years, and, um, you know, making an impact to make uh, aware of the fans that, you know, uh, uh, outstanding athletes like yourself play this uh, sport at a high level. Um, Stevie, what what are we doing now after this n- amazing send-off? Are, are you still competing? Are you going to take time off or rehabbing? What's what's in the future for the bull? You know what? A, a couple people have asked me, and I'm still kind of just riding this wave. Um, and I'm not gonna rush anything crazy. Obviously, I'm I'm an athlete to the core, so I'm still gonna be playing flag and going to flag nationals and things like that. Um, I'll always compete in something, but maybe just take out the contact and stuff like that. Um, but you never know. Honestly, the sky's the limit, and I'm open to kind of whatever whatever comes, and uh, we'll see. But you know what? I No matter what it is, I have no doubt it won't be exciting. So I can't wait. All right. Stevie, thank you for coming in. I really appreciate it, um, and it's been an honor and pleasure uh, to interview you on your last send-off here. And all the, for all the memories and from all the fans, LFL fans, uh, really appreciative and one of the, what an amazing woman you are and a talented athlete. And uh, we uh, appreciate everything you've done in, in your career. Thank you so much for having me.
Have a great evening. Thanks again. You too. Bye. All right. Let's just, uh, what can you say? Stevie Schnorr, the best uh, in probably in Legends uh, football, one of the best, uh, hopefully at this point, Hall of Famer, which should be a shoe-in and maybe in a year or two here, but deserves to be in the Hall of Fame with all her accolades. The amazing uh, career that she had from Canada to the Miss to Nashville. Um, just a, what, what an amazing athlete. And uh, I wanted to bring her on. I want to bring Shay on. Uh, just two of the athletes that I've uh, always interacted with. They've always been very pros with me. And I, I want to just uh, give them their honor and deserving uh, accolades for the, both of them. We're amazing, uh, talented athletes. And Seattle Miss, three-time Legends Cup champions, and they contributed to that as well. So, uh, Mackenzie, are you on? I am. Hey, Mackenzie. Um, well, we just talked to Shay Norton. We talked to Stevie the Bull Snore. And uh, what an amazing ending for her, too. Uh, a three-time champion, uh, and she goes out as league MVP and Legends Cup MVP. So, surreal for her oh yeah i can't you know i can't imagine being a veteran of a sport for so long like that you know having gone through so many trials and tribulations and switching teams and then to end up kind of just have it be you know that storybook ending like she was saying um and to go out three-time champion and the league mvp that's crazy i mean and she deserves every bit of it so nothing but hats off to the both of them yeah, it's just it's kind of, you know, it's time to go. As they say, your body at some point decides that it's it's a situation where you got to go. And she, as you said, you know, she was going through an injury that she had a rehab right before the finals and um, came came back strong. So there's, a, there's you know, a little bit of, um, you know, you know how you go with their injuries, right? It's, it's just a matter of a hurdle and then you got to put extra time in. So uh, hats off to her for an amazing career uh, as well. Um, Mackenzie? How about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Two in a row. Look, Oscar, I'm going to tell you this right now. With Dallas having gotten rid of Scott Linehan and Don't get salty on me right now. Don't get salty on me because you got that Boise State offensive coordinator. Come on. Don't hate. Look, you know, with them replacing (laughs) Scott Linehan with Kellen Moore, um, the Dallas Cowboys – are going to be very tough to beat, period. Um, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your fan base is. If you know anything about football, you cannot tell me that the Dallas Cowboys are not going to be rough to play against, period. No, no. I it, what are, I mean, he has to make his point, right? He comes from a little school in Boise State, and he's on offensive coordinator now. And, hey, if he can make, it, if he can make a statement on the biggest stage with the biggest, one of the biggest franchises, in the NFL, wow. Well, I mean, and, and just from the eye test itself, Dak looks like a completely different quarterback. Oh yeah, like just, I agree. I mean, all all around, like he looks like he looks leaner. He's faster. He's barreling into people like a freaking fullback, and his long ball, holy cow! His long ball is so pretty, and I'm just like, wow! Like who knew? That are you, you know, in love? Changing offense. Are you in love with the long ball? Kinda. 
Oh my God, I, I could honest. sense it in your voice. It was like, oh my God, it's like it's like prom night or something. Well, <laughs> well I mean, and when you when you look at like Dak's first two years in the league, like you know the oh, yeah, first yeah. couple games of his rookie season. He had to sit behind Tony Romo, and then Tony got hurt and essentially couldn't play anymore. So then it's really just been a progression of watching Dak and Zeke together and watching the offense itself grow. And now that they finally have that, what seems to have been the missing part for the last couple seasons, um, it's finally starting to put to, uh, to catch up to what the defense has already been doing the past two or three seasons. Um, my only concern with Dallas is that – they have to stay consistent. They can't. They cannot settle. Like Dallas has to keep moving and keep growing. And the thing that's right, going right. to kill Dallas is these late starts. As far as oh, the first, the you know, the opponent's going to score first, and then we turn it on. Uh-uh. It's got to be from the boot of the ball kickoff first quarter to the end series in the fourth quarter. Like yeah, all cylinders have to be on. And I think after. This I think I'm giving it about two or three games before everything's starting to click together. So I'm hoping we come out in week three and smack somebody in the mouth straight up from the bat. Well, you're totally the opposite of Miami, so that's a good sign. <laughs> oh, my God. Miami is a, um, a dumpster fire. There's no fixed magic uh, in I, Miami, by the way, if anybody's figured that out already. <laughs> Not even close. Well, and, and the thing is, is I, to be honest, I really think Miami is tanking for Tua, which isn't a completely bad um, plan, but I'm almost positive Tua has one more year of college unless he decides to put himself in the draft. Yeah. Um, you know what? Let's let's get the insights from uh, the Hall of Famer, uh, Holly Custis, and she's going to chime in on the NFL, and then we'll talk it over. So let's uh, let's get Holly's intake here. Uh, she couldn't be with us today, so we uh, ended up doing a pre-recorded uh, assessment of the NFL. So here we go. We'll go with Holly, and give uh, she's going to give us her insights. Here are my top stories from the NFL from last week: 49ers 41, Bengals 17. The 49ers offense got on a roll this week. Jimmy looked much more comfortable with 313 yards and three touchdowns. Rita had 121 rushing yards. The 49ers defense only allowed 25 rushing yards all game long from the Bengals. The Niners are finding their confidence, so we'll see how that uh, plays out in Week 3. Packers 21, Vikings 16. The Packers came out firing to a 21-0 start, but almost blew their entire lead as the Vikings chipped away. The Packers' defense has definitely improved from last year, but their new offense is a bit inconsistent. The NFC North is up for grabs. Bears 16, Broncos 14. This was a crazy ending. Basically, the Bears had held the Broncos to, to nothing offensively until the last minute when the Broncos scored. This put them down by one. They decided to go for two but got a penalty which put them out of range, and so they were going to kick the ball until there was another penalty, which moved them back to their original spot. They went for two, got the two-point conversion to go up by one point with about 35 seconds to go. The Bears got a first down on the ensuing possession that was a bit controversial on a late hit on the quarterback. This put them in position to kick a field goal as time expired to win the game. 
As we all know, the Bears' defense is great. The offense, however, I really feel it is taking, taking steps backwards. Trubisky had a quarterback rating of only 29 uh, this particular game. Really what he tends to do is narrow in his vision on Allen Robinson, which makes the uh, play calling very predictable, and they really need to figure out what to do offensively going forward if they're going to make a run. For next week, the games that I really find interesting are the Falcons at the Colts. Falcons and Colts are both uh, had solid wins this last week. Both teams are outlier playoff contenders. What we'll find out after this game is which one is a pretender and which one is for real. Ravens at Chiefs. The Ravens' defense looks solid and Lamar is improving. Will it be enough to stop the Mahomes show, however? Steelers at 49ers. The Niners are gaining confidence and the Steelers are falling apart. How will the Steelers respond on the road? All right. So that was Holly um, McKenzie. So she's kind of overview here. She's on a high because her Niners are on a high. Garoppolo's playing pretty decent ball. Um, so she's almost in the same boat you and me. And, I mean, you know, pretty excited for a good start. Yeah, I, I got to catch some of her uh, 49ers game. And all I have to say is, tight end you, George Kittle is the best tight end in football for the NFL oh, yeah. right now. And I and I wish anybody would try to argue that with me because you can't stats prove it. And it's a fact. He catches everything. And sometimes he makes catches that really should not have been catchable. But that's what happens when you go to tight end you. I think it's, we're, I mean, I think we're seeing the evolution of the Atlanta Falcons, uh, you know, uh, type of offense that he wanted to instill. And I think he now he has those weapons. Absolutely. And, and now that Jimmy Garoppolo is, you know, essentially back from his injury last season, um, I think it, it's the fact that he's back on the field and having game time action and working, you know, reworking through his progressions and getting reacclimated, the 49ers are going to be stop, are going to be tough to stop too. Now, uh, she mentioned Ravens Chiefs will be a big test here. Uh, Jackson, uh, uh, Jackson, in uh, the quarterback for the Ravens, taking on Mahomes. Jackson's played really well for th- through two weeks. Can he get it done and beat Kansas City? Is the question. Oh, I don't see. Patrick Mahomes is a freak of nature um, football player and freak of nature athlete. Whether or not Patrick Mahomes has only one or two weapons, if, if he would still be tough to beat alone. I don't know. But Lamar Lamar Jackson is – see, and this is really a toss-up for me, um, and I really didn't want to make a pick for this, but – I'm going to take the Ravens with by three points for the upset. You think the Ravens are going to win them? You think they're going to do the upset? Yeah. I, I think they have the potential yeah. to do it. They've, they've been playing good ball in the last two weeks, and he's been very consistent. So we'll see what kind of game plan they have. What, uh, what's his name? Hill's out. So they still have Watkins. They have some durability on offense. Um, so it, probably it will, I, I want to say this is Kansas City's big test for the year so far. Agreed. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it'll be a big test. Um, so 
The other, uh, my Rams are taking on the Browns, which I don't foresee a problem. Uh, the Steelers and the Niners, I think the Steelers are going to get their ass whooped, uh, especially the way the Niners have looked so far. She mentioned the Falcons and the Colts. Um, Atlanta has played up and down at this point, uh, but the Colts, something to play for, but I, I still think ATL is going to have this in, in the bank. See, um, see, Atlanta is kind of a Atlanta's kind of a sleeper team right now, but what mm-hmm. you can do is you can never count out Adrian Claiborne, Matt Ryan, and Julio Jones. That's not something that's not a smart idea, or Mohamed Sanu, for that mm-hmm. matter. You can't really count out any of those players for the Atlanta Falcons team. It's just their their issue right now is consistency. Matt Ryan, to me, kind of looks very timid for some strange reason, whether he's just, whether he's, you know, just doing what his coordinators are telling him, whether he's having, you know, his own personal mm-hmm. stuff going on and it's carrying over. He just, he just does not look like the regular well-oiled machine that we're, that we've grown to, to see. And it's kind of concerning to me because, I mean, if I'm being honest to this point with just, with it only being week three, I'm not sure that we're going to see a Falcons team in a playoff or a wild card this season. Yeah, I, I, I assumed. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming you didn't watch the Browns Jets uh, exciting game, but uh, New York fans are really. I, I mean, this is the worst I start did, for them, actually. I think, ever. I know, but that's the worst start. I mean, I, lose the backup quarterback, third string quarterback is coming in anemic. Uh, the only hat they had on was somewhat of a defensive stand to keep the Browns from, you know, pouring it on. So New York, uh, New York Jets fans, man, I feel for them right now. Well, and see, and I actually, I watched that. I watched 96% of that game. I missed the very first interception that Baker Mayfield threw. But after that, he seemed like, it, it seems like him and Odell Beckham Jr. and um, Nick Chubb and had their entire offense it seems like they're they're finally starting to come together, um, especially with having Jarvis Landry and Odo Beckham on the set, on the field together in a high power or what's now a high powered offense. They're starting to come together, and Odo Beckham with that insane catch, I thought my head was gonna fly off my shoulders, but that's yep. just what he does. Like that's what Odo yep. do. He's just out here, and he practices. He literally practices those crazy. Yep. As one hand catches. catches, yep, yep. Um, Mackenzie, let's let's dive into college here because we only got 20 minutes and we gotta just we gotta start billing. We gotta squeeze in uh, the women's international scene as well. So let's get Holly's take on the college thing, and then we'll get our takes as well before we run in before we go into the uh, women's recap and um, down under in Australia, Brazil, as well as uh, a little bit of action in Costa Rica as well. So let's go into uh, Holly's uh, take on the college scene here. Here are my top stories for the college game this last weekend. Number nine, Florida 29 to Kentucky 21. I'm really not sure how Kentucky lost this game. They outplayed Florida for most of the game, but didn't execute down the stretch. I really think the Florida is overrated and will end up with at least two to three losses this season. Number 13, Penn State, 17 to Pitts, 10. 
Pitt outplayed Penn State for most of this game, but also did not execute down the stretch. They had a fourth and goal from the one and tried to kick a field goal instead of going for it. Then they missed that kick, and this really put them in a hole. Number 17, UCF 45, Stanford 27. What a big win for UCF. They're more talented across the board than Stanford, although I never really thought Stanford was as great as people thought. Number 18, Michigan State, goes down to Arizona State 10-7. Arizona State gets the upset. Michigan State was in position to kick a tying field goal, but had 12 men on the field, then had to re-kick and lost that game. This is a great win for Arizona State going into Pac-12 play. The games to look out for for next week are number 7, Notre Dame, at number 3, Georgia. Both these teams are in the playoff hunt. And both of these teams really need this win to propel them into that conversation. This is a statement game for both of them. My pick is Georgia, but I really feel like a Notre Dame win would upset the apple cart. Number 11, Michigan, at number 13, Wisconsin. Big Ten implications, and this also has a possible dark horse playoff team for this matchup. My money is currently on Wisconsin. Number 10, Utah at USC. If Utah wants to get in the playoff race, they need to beat USC on the road. USC wants to try to battle their way back into Pac-12 South contention with this matchup. And number 22, Washington at BYU. Can BYU play spoiler two weeks in a row? I really think Washington could be in trouble at BYU this weekend. All right, Mackenzie. Um, you're, there was a game Iowa in Iowa that was a pretty competitive game this weekend as well. Oh, my God. The Iowa, the, the Iowa Corn Cyhawk Series, Iowa State yep. versus the Iowa Hawkeyes at Jack Trice Stadium. I was working campus town during the game. And there was two different rain delays. The first one was about 49 minutes. And the second one was about an hour, almost two hours, now that I think about it. But after all the rain delays, the both teams finally started to play ball. And I was at, – at one point, I'm just like, oh, my God, Iowa State might actually break, you know, their, break their four-year losing streak. And then out of nowhere and, – and Nate Stanley is – uh, he's honestly a younger, thinner version of Ben Roethlisberger. He can throw, and he's mobile, and he's hard to take down. That's what people don't give Nate credit Stanley for, is being as mobile as he is for how tall he is. Nate Stanley's like six foot five, two forty three. Um, he's a big dude, especially with pads and a helmet on, and moving, trying to trying to get you know trying to make a sack or a tackle on him is. Kind of difficult, I can tell. Um, but the thing that really broke it that really broke it for me was Brock Purdy, the starting quarterback for Iowa State, has so much ice in his veins. I was just like, and he's a sophomore. His he he's so accurate, it's disgusting. I'm like, holy, you're a sophomore. Like you don't expect, you know, you don't start expecting the accuracy of a of a a young quarterback to start growing until halfway through sophomore season going into the junior season. And Brock Purdy looked – I told all everybody that I know in the Big 12, y'all Big 12 
teams do not want no parts of Brock Purdy or Jalen Hurts. Period. Period. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, well, I mean, Holly's point, BYU, if they beat Washington, that's, that'll be a big, big statement. Uh, USC, if Utah goes in there and takes care of USC and they fall again, big, big uh, game there. We also have Michigan and uh, Wisconsin. It's a big game there. So um, coming up this weekend, number two, Alabama will take on Southern Miss. And then it's going to be Georgia taking on Notre Dame, as she mentioned. LSU taking on Vanderbilt, Ohio State versus Miami, Auburn against number 17, Texas A&M, Florida against Tennessee, Utah, uh, South, uh, Southern California, Michigan and Wisconsin, Texas at Oklahoma State. So a lot of games to watch this weekend. So we'll keep tabs on it, and next week we will kind of recap week four in terms of who's on top and who's not. And as we start getting into week five and six, you start to get to see more of the top 25 playing somewhat in, together with themselves. So we'll see how uh, if BYU gives take. us a shocker or the Utah, gotta, you know, takes overtakes USC. Yeah. It, it is, this weekend for college football is going to be tremendous. I have a couple of hot takes. Yep. Michigan is losing. I'm taking Wisconsin by 10 because they're playing okay. at Camp Randall. Um, Bama's losing because I can't stand their fan base. So anytime they play anybody, I want them to lose. Period. Realistically, they're not going to lose. Know, unfortunately, no, they need to. Is what I'm saying. Um, no. Let's see. Unless you're well, drunk. I'm taking Tennessee over. <laughs> I'm taking Tennessee over Florida. That's going to be a big upset as well. Yeah. They're only winning by three though. Yeah. Um. is the story, I think, and then you also have Utah. So that's why I'm saying the two, the, the underdogs are kind of the story coming into this week four and see how if they shock at all. Yeah, I've got BYU. I've got BYU by ten, to be honest. Yeah. And they've been riding pretty good ball. So, um, so we'll keep tabs on it. Week four coming up. Uh, Holly's takes as well. If she can't be here, uh, we'll get her takes as well into the next week. Um, we got about ten minutes to go, so we got to talk about the women's international scene. Uh, we go to down under in Queensland. If you miss out on anything that we're going to talk about in the women's game, you go to the hub at facebook.com for Saskatoon Beauties. Check out the stories. Uh, check out everything that's going on in the women's game from Costa Rica to Brazil to uh, uh, Grand Queensland and everything else that's happening in the international game. So uh, three weeks in the uh, – almost four weeks in the books in Queensland, and the Ravens started out pretty hot, and now the Thunder – seems to be the ones making a statement. Uh, they came out 22-6 uh, to six in the first week, uh, McKenzie, and then they rebound 12-8 to eight to take care of Gold Coast Stingrays. And then in the week three, the Thunder to take care of uh, the Raptors, which are, uh, have improved themselves defensively week to week. So I am uh, happy to say that about the Raptors. They're improving week to week, holding the teams down. And originally, they were getting routed 52-0 to zero, and then 42-0, to zero, and then all of a sudden they go – 40, 14 to zero. So they tighten up their defense and play more competitive. And then this past weekend, week five, the Thunder take down the champs, 30 to 12. Thunder three and one now. The Ravens fall to two and two. Uh, this is now a statement game, and for them in terms of a season statement, they are going into to play the Gold Coast Stingrays one more uh, time this next weekend, and they uh, can make a statement with the. Uh, with Stingrays because they beat them already in week three, 12 to eight. So this is the, this is a hot contested matchup coming up in week six here. 
You know, I told you about three weeks ago that the Thunder was going to slowly start creeping their way back up into the standings. And what what is this? I'm right again. I am very surprised, though, that the Stingrays are starting to fall. Like, they're kind of starting to teeter. And it's kind of worrying me because I I actually have them in the Thunder uh, going back, you know, going back to that, um, to their division championship again. But if they, you know, if things don't keep start tightening up for them, I'm not sure that's going to be in the works. Now, I mean, the Ravens are, you know, the champs, and they're falling two and two, kind of a worrisome here. They're taking on the Raptors. The Raptors, like I said, have improved week to week now. They've been holding opponents. You know, they, they were getting routed the first two weeks, you know, over 50 points. And now they've, you know, they held the Thunder to 14-0. And so this is a big test for the Raptors if they can take down the Ravens. And it, it seems to be that the, I'm not going to call them underdog team, but essentially that, that's what they would be compared to uh, the Thunder and the Ravens themselves. But it seems like both both of the, the, I guess, more underrated teams are slowly starting to make their make themselves known. Now that it's starting to, to get into deeper into the seasons again, it, the underdogs are slowly starting to make themselves known. Like, yes, we've had things going on, injuries, substitutions, things like that. And now they're, you know, they're slowly starting to become that well-oiled machine that they were last year. So it's going to be interesting to see how these next couple games play out. Now, New South Wales, uh, also very contested. Uh, week one, Sydney Lions, the champs, open up with a 44-0 to uh, big, big route. And then North Sydney, uh, which basically was very competitive last year, they open up with a 22-8 to against the Raiders, the return of the Raiders this season. Uh, Neopone Ducks fall to the Central Coast. Uh, Sharks, 44-14. to you had uh, week two Central West Giants, 21-0 over the Sydney, which they forfeited. Uh, Neopian, 18-14. They rebound against the Raiders. Week three, UTS and Neopian, 36-14. The Ducks starting to get some traction here. Central West, uh, the Raiders rebound against the Giants, 34-0 after a 2-0 uh, start. North Sydney continues to roll, 22-12 over the Sharks. Uh, week four, Sydney the, the champs rebound 30 to 14 over the Central Sharks. Uh, North Sydney 22 to zero over UTS. This weekend coming up here, Sydney Lions taking on the US, UNSW Raiders. One and two, two and one. Very crucial game for them in the standings. Neopan two and one taking on Central Coast or Central West Giants. Also a crucial matchups here. So in the North uh, New South Wales, uh, Mackenzie, things are starting to tighten up after week five here. And, you know, it's kind of like I said before, it's, you know, the international game is a lot different because it, it seems to be that it everything starts to roll around week two, week three, at least for the American game. And for the international game, it's kind of the complete opposite. It's kind of like we start, you know, things are perfect, well-rolling first part of the season, second, you know, first week, second week, and then it kind of starts to plateau and then it goes right back, and that's exactly what it sounds like with the pattern of um, games and win deficits are right now. All right. Shout out to our network partners in Brazil and Costa Rica for sending us the information. Uh, the Costa Rica Women's Gridiron Football League just kicked off this weekend. You go to the hub and get the details on week one as well. So thanks to them 
for uh, covering it up. And Ellie White out there doing her job in Central America as our network uh, contact. So she does an amazing job for us uh, in keeping us in tune with what's happening in Central America as well as the South America swing. So really appreciative to her for giving us all the information that she does. Uh, also in Czechoslovakia, uh, Mackenzie, the the kickoff started week one. Uh, it was the Prague uh, Black Hats 39-21 against the Warsaw Sirens. We get week two here. Uh, Brno Amazons taking on the Prague Black. I'm sorry, Prague Harpies 39-21 over Warsaw Sirens. And then week two here, Brno uh, champions taking on Prague Black Hats. We get the update here. Week three coming up here. Prague Black Hats taking on Warsaw. Brno taking on Harpies. Pretty competitive. Uh, the, the highest league in Czechoslovakia and uh, Brno Amazons have owned this since the beginning of the league, and they've owned it for, I think, four years in a row now. They've won the championship. So very competitive matchups coming up here in the early stages of the Czech Republic uh, Women's League. You know, to be honest, I really – I didn't want to make my prediction for this league right, right, right quite yet, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm, pro- I'm going to take the chance to roll again for another year, honestly. I just I don't see anybody stopping their it's it's their their defense is what is what is really doing it for me. They're so fast and so technically sound. It's kind of scary. So anything you missed of the conversation we're having here with each other, you guys go to the hub, the number one source on Twitter at Gridiron Beauty covering women's American football everything. Thank you for making us number one on Twitter, um, and we are so excited for that. Uh, on Facebook, we're at 7,300 followers almost. We need to get to 10,000. That's our goal. Share the uh, stories, the podcast. Share everything you can. Bring the awareness. Women do play American football, and they play at a high level, and their game is no-joke football. So, uh, Mackenzie, we'll give me keep, uh, keep tabs on New South Wales coming up here in this next weekend. Obviously, Great Aaron Queensland's heating up again. The Czech Republic into week three. We also have Costa Rica action. Brazil also into a playoff mode in about a week or two here. So uh, on the international scene, uh, girls are still playing football at a high level, and their game's no joke. I mean, anything a female does is no joke, to be honest. Football just happens to be one of those things that drops in that category. You know, I just I really love this time of year because there's literally football all over college, women's international women, you know, w- women flags here in America, uh, NFL, you know, youth leagues. I mean, I literally, if I could, if football were actually year-round, like I think it is, I think my life would be complete. Well, we're making traction. So uh, based on analytics, which I love, based on analytics, <laughs> we're making traction on iHeart. We're obviously on the mark on Blockhog and Apple Podcasts. I uh, just got Matrix from Googlecast. So thanks to everybody that's listening to us. Uh, we are reaching almost 2,000 weekly listeners uh, on all platforms. So we're looking at uh, a lot of people listening to our podcast, and I cannot be more thankful to them first, but also to our co-hosts like yourself, Mackenzie, Louise Bain, Holly Custis, and uh, obviously Troy Wilson when he gets back, but uh, everybody that contributes to the podcast and Nate Ward as well now as LFL Insider. So thanks, everybody, for supporting us. Go to the individual platforms and subscribe to our you know, podcast. Brings more attention to the sport, brings more attention to the awareness of women's American football as well. 
And we're talking NFL, right, Mackenzie? College football. We're talking women's American football and awesome interviews week to week. All, all of it, roundtable discussion, interviews, debates, college football, NFL, youth, women, the whole night, anything you want in football, Gridiron Blitz Podcast is where y'all need to be, period. There's no other podcast out there like it. So go to the hub, facebook.com. Where, slash where else are they going to get salty every week but here with no, Mackenzie? Literally, unless you – you know, unless you follow your girl on all <laughs> social media platforms, you're really not going to get any kind of salt unless you listen to the podcast. That's just that's a thing. By the way, you can find me on almost all social media: uh, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter. Um, all the saltiness, all the sassiness, all the debates, arguments. Follow us on those platforms, and you'll get it whenever you want. All right. Thanks to uh, Stevie Snore. What an amazing career. Great send-off. Thanks to Shay Norton for coming in as well. So uh, for Mackenzie Brooks, Holly, the absent Holly Custis, Louise Bain, and Troy Wilson, we'll catch you here for 292 next Tuesday as we talk NFL Week 3, College Football Week 4, and everything that's happening in the women's game. Don't forget to go to the hub at Facebook.com. Have a great night, everybody. Peace out, guys. <laughs>